We are in Psalm 119 again, and uh, continuing on through uh, just a, a, a summer Bible study, if you will, f- through Psalm 119. And uh, today we're going to skip ahead. We said last week we'd been going through each of these eight verse sections of Psalm 119. We're not going to have time to get through all of them, so we're going to have to kind of skip around a little bit. So we're going to skip ahead to verse number 25, the section entitled Daleth, and uh, not to uh, diminish the verses before it, but just to, to give us another section to be able to see another way that God uses some of these words that he describes, used to describe scripture, uses to describe his word. And so look at Psalm 119, verse number 25 there in your Bibles. So verses are also there in your handout uh, with each of the Uh, Blanks being the words that God uses to describe the Bible Uh, in Psalm 119. Starting in verse 25, the Bible says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me, teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness, strengthen thou me according unto Thy word, remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. So the last couple of weeks we uh, have been looking at these different words that God uses to describe the Bible in Psalm 119. We said he uses eight of them, so we've looked at two already. We've looked at the word law, and uh, we see that in verse number one, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And uh, we said that that word law means instruction. It means to give clarity. It means to be a direction, uh, to give answers. And so God's word is the thing that points us Uh, to the answers. It shows us right from wrong. It gives us instruction about how to live our lives. And so it is the law. We said last week that God's word is described as testimonies. Look at verse number two. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. We saw that in the verses we just read. Verse 31, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. And testimony or testimonies means a record a witness, a recounting. And of course, we know that God's word is the story of God throughout all of time, starting from the beginning, showing us how he has great power, showing us his plan of salvation. It is the recounting of his love for humanity, for the world, and uh, going all the way through to the end of time, what is going to happen. So it is a testimony. And it ought to show to us that God has power, that he has done great things that he is doing great things, and because of that, he can and will do great things in the future, that he has a plan for us. And so today we're going to look at the next one, but before we do that, I had wanted to uh, mention this next week, or last week, excuse me, but there was a phrase that stuck out and that's repeated several times throughout Psalm 119 that I just want to take a look at as we begin, because as we said, Psalm 119, yes, has different words, describe God's word and how it should, uh, how we should look at it, how we should uh, think of it, um, what we should look for it to do for us. But it also describes our relationship, what we should do with God's word uh, or how we should uh, uh, handle it. And so one of those things is found in verse number two. Look there. 
Verse number two. We just read that a second ago, but it says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the what? The whole heart. The whole heart. And that phrase, whole heart, is repeated several other times. Look at verse number 10. It says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Look at verse number 34. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. That word observe is the same as the word keep. We looked at that last week. Keep means to protect. It means to guard. It means to hedge about, to not lose. And so uh, not necessarily just obeying God's word, but we're wanting to make sure that we're paying attention to it. We're not losing sight of it. And so that word observe gives us a better idea of what it means. Look at verse number 58. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Look at verse number 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Uh, Verse number 145. I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. And so every single one of those Uh, either referring directly to our relationship to God's word or our relationship uh, to God himself. Uh, Verse 58, talking about entreating thy favor, talking about prayer. Verse 145 that we just read, talking about crying out, talking about prayer. And so uh, this idea of our whole heart being engaged in our relationship with God and his word. Now we've said this before, but let me repeat it again. Our relationship with God and his word cannot and will not happen by accident. It won't happen by accident. It, it can't happen if we're distracted by everything that's going on around us, by our lives, by the cares, by, by our own selfish desires, by the world. And it certainly won't happen if our heart is after other gods, if we're pursuing idols in our life in place of the one true God. And so I, I want us to, for a few moments, just focus. Think on this thought of pursuing God, Pursuing his word with our whole heart. Uh, Just looking up that word whole, what does it mean? It means all of it. It means total, complete, entire, and unimpaired. Nothing holding it back. Nothing keeping it uh, from being entirely focused on what we're trying to pursue. Uh, We can't, our our attention, our, our, our focus... Uh, Our love for God and for his word cannot be fractured. It can't be divided. We know what the Bible says about the double-minded man, that he's unstable in all his ways, that that we cannot succeed if we're not pursuing God with all of our heart. It can't be split. It can't be held back by selfish desires or worldly temptations. Uh, We will not be able to follow God fully like we should, like he intends for us to do and truly know what his will and purpose is for our life if we don't do it with our whole heart. You know, not too long ago, we we looked at the story of the rich young ruler and uh, the rich young ruler wanted to follow, right? Came to Jesus and he said, "Uh, I want to follow you, master. Uh, and, And Jesus certainly... Uh, or uh, he asked him what he could do to inherit eternal life, and, and Jesus told him, and they had that whole conversation between the two of them, and eventually he goes away sorrowing. He leaves. He does not follow Jesus. Why? Because he would not follow him with his whole heart. 
He was holding on to other things. He was distracted by his possession. He was distracted by his status as being rich and still being young and being a ruler. And he would not follow with his whole heart. Uh, Go to the book of Deuteronomy because I want you to see a little bit more of this. But our relationship with the Lord has to be done with our whole heart. We cannot hold back. We cannot uh, test the water, if you will. We've got to just jump in uh, with our whole heart. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number four. Look at verse number 29. It says, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy Soul. And so not the same wording as far as whole, but still the same idea. All of it. Totally. Complete. God says the only way that you're going to see, when, the only way that you're going to find me, the only way that your relationship with me is going to be what it needs to be is if you are seeking for me with all of your heart. With all of your heart. Your love, your first love, your uh, complete love must be for me, God says. Look at chapter 6. A couple verses here in Deuteronomy that repeat this thought. Chapter 6, look at verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Of course, we know that Jesus repeats that in the Gospels uh, when people ask him, what is the first and great commandment? And uh, someone very wise once said, all means all, and that's all that all means. You think about that for a second. Those of you that just graduated or have that college education, uh, all means all, and that's all that all means. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, totally, completely. uh, We cannot love God with all of our heart and then decide to love something else more. We cannot love God with all of our heart and decide to love something else equally. Uh, We've got to love God with all of our heart. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number 10. Look at verse number 12. Deuteronomy 10 and verse number 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Go to the next chapter. Look at verse number 13. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, go to chapter 13, verse number 3. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Skip to chapter 26. Deuteronomy 26, verse number 16. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep them, keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Look at chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, last chapter. Verse number two, and thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart 
with all thy soul. Verse 6, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Verse 10, If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and thou shalt turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. And I find it interesting that over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy, a book that we you know, we commonly associate it with the law. And that's true. Deuteronomy means second law. We know that Moses was up on Mount Sinai, got the law from God the first time, uh, came down off the mount, heard the people worshiping uh, the golden calf, got angry, broke the tablets, and so God had to give the law a second time. And he's also giving the law a second time because the people are about to enter into the promised land. This is the generation that uh, has wandered the wilderness for 40 years. All of those 20 years, and old, uh, uh, 20 years and older have already died because they would not go into the promised land the first time. So God is giving them the law again so that they know what he has commanded, what he wants for them. And over and over again, God is emphasizing the fact that they need to love him, that they need to seek him that they need to follow him, that they need to obey him, that they need to uh, keep, to protect, to guard, uh, to not forget what he has given to them with all their heart, their whole heart, all their heart. God did not want his people to share their heart with anything or anyone else. Remember, he started off the commandments the first time. In Exodus 20, with thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's how he started it. And as he saw the people, those that were older, reject him, murmur in the wilderness, choose not to go into the promised land, and even create and serve their own God, as this new generation rises up, God wants to make it very clear to them, I want you to serve me with all your heart. Remember uh, from our study of idolatry that it is anything we put in our life before God. And that just doesn't mean in hierarchy, that there's an order and we put something ahead of God. You know, God's in our list and we put something ahead of God. No, that's anything that's in place of God. That's anything in place of God in our time. That's anything that's in place of God uh, in our attention, our focus, our desires, the way we spend our money, uh, the way that we plan and dream and have goals. God says, I need to be first. I need to be only. And I need to be the thing that you pursue with all of your heart. Can I say this to you? If God does not have all of our heart, then he does not have any of our heart. If God does not have all of our heart, then he does not have any of it. Because he's not looking for leftovers. God's not looking for a piece of the pie. He wants you to give him the whole pie of your heart. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to pursue him. He wants you to give, uh, you, uh, give him his first attention. Uh, our hearts our desires, our focus, our tensions must be in whole and entirety given to the Lord, not shared or split. We've used the illustration before of a, of a bike and the spokes of a bike or a wheel. And uh, so many times in our lives, we put ourselves at the center. We're the hub and all the spokes come off of us. And God is there. He's in the wheel. He's in our life, but he's just another spoke. He's just, another, uh, uh, he's just another part of it. You know, he's, he's, he's a piece of the pie, 
But God says, no, that's not how it works. I need to be at the center. I need to be the focus. I need you to give me your whole heart. I need you to pursue after my word with your whole heart, not picking and choosing things that you're going to obey, not picking and choosing ways that you're going to follow. But when I call, you answer because you have given me your whole heart. Uh, Let me say this. God will not share the spotlight of your heart with anyone or anything else. He won't do it. Um, I think too often we don't ever find answers that we're looking for in life because ultimately we're not looking to him and his word with all of our heart. God says, when you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. When you seek in my word with all of your heart, that's when you find what you're looking for. And I think too often we, we, we aren't willing to do it with all of our heart. We aren't willing to do it For whatever he is going or however he's going to answer, we're not willing to do that. And so we kind of do it half-heartedly. We say, well, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get God in the council. I'm going to look in your word, but I'm also going to try to figure this out by myself at the same time. Just in case God doesn't come through. God says, that's not how the way it works. That's not not how I'm going to answer you. That's not how I'm going to work in your life. It has to be because you have sought me with your whole heart. God is not going to share the intention that he is worthy of with anything else. And if we're searching for purpose, for fulfillment, for answers, for direction in many different places, and our faith just happens to be one of them, that's just an option. That's just, you know, on this day, I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to pursue answers in life from God's word. On all the other days, I've got other things, other options. That's not the way it works. God is going to let us try to find what we're looking for in those places, but we'll always come up empty. But when he becomes our single focus, our first love, our one desire, that's when we're getting somewhere. And all throughout scripture, God repeats that. We won't take time to look at them. We find it in 2 Chronicles. We find it in Jeremiah. Uh, We find it, as we said before, when Jesus talks to people, that emphasis on seeking God with all of our heart. And so as we look at uh, Scripture, and again, we're looking at Psalm 119 because of its emphasis on Scripture and the relationship that we need to have with God's Word, let us pursue it with all of our heart, with our whole heart. Not just reading it to fulfill a duty, not just reading it to check something off of a Bible reading schedule, but reading it because we truly want something out of it and because we're ready to obey what it says. That was introduction. Let's go ahead and move on to the word that we want to look at today that describes God's word. This is the third one, and that is the word way or ways. You can see there in your handout that the Greek or the Hebrew word, excuse me, is direct, and that means a road, a course of life, or a mode of action. A road, a course of life, or a mode of action. Now, this word is only used a few times in Psalm 119, and most of the time it's used in conjunction with another description. In fact, in the verses that we just read at the beginning of the lesson, um, we saw that twice, where it was used along with another word. But but I, I, I think it's important that God describes his word as a way or as a as ways. And, uh, you know, we, we think of it as the path of life. We've heard that before. Or uh, the direction that we ought to walk. Uh, think of God's word as the guidelines or signposts for walking. You know, think of God's word as GPS, if you will. 
You know, when, when you look up GPS, whether you have an actual GPS or, or you've got a, a phone with, with Google Maps on it and uh, you type in a destination, then that GPS shows you the way. Now, it, it shows you the directions that you're supposed to take. It shows you the streets that you're supposed to take. It shows you the turns you're supposed to make. It shows you the exits you're supposed to take. It shows you the way. It is the way that you're supposed to follow. And God's word is the way for us. It is the GPS for life. It's, it's the street signs that we ought to follow. It tells us where we are. Uh, it's the road maps, the roads that we're supposed to be on. Let me say, people may believe that once we're saved, that it doesn't matter how we live, that God has forgiven us, that his grace covers all, that, that the way you walk, the way you live doesn't matter at all. But I beg to differ because I think that just by the very fact that God's word is described as the way, there tell, that tells me that there's a certain path that we need to walk and that all others ought to be avoided. God's path is the way. Uh, God's word, excuse me, is the way. And certainly for all of us, we have different races to run. We know that. Uh, God's will and his purpose uh, is special for each of us. It's specifically designed for each of us. It's unique to each of us as his creation. Uh, but I believe that within that purpose in that will, we're all given the choice to walk in his way, to walk in his way. Uh, to, to reach the destination as he has chosen. Uh, hold your place in Psalm 119 and go to Isaiah chapter number 30. Isaiah chapter number 30. And look at verse number 21. Isaiah 30 and verse number 21. The Bible says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left, that's the call from God from the beginning. That's why he's given us the word of God to show us the way. This is the way. Walk ye in it. To, to, to follow the guide of his word in this life. And, and certainly there are many verses throughout scripture that talk to us about the way that God has set that we're supposed to walk. The way of the Lord. Uh, the ways of the Lord. Uh, Psalms has many different references of them. Uh, we won't take time even to look at all of those, but go back to Psalm 119 and let's at least see the times that it's used in Psalm 119. Of course, verse number one is used first. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. And I believe that this again proves that way is a word that shows us God's word or that, 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 that uh, is, is describing God's word. Who walk in the law of the Lord. In the way and in the law of the Lord. Those are synonymous phrases. And so we're walking in the way. The way is the law of the Lord. Verse number three, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Verse number 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. And both of those, that verse number one and verse number 14 are in your uh, handout there. And the way of thy testimony, the way of the witness of God's power and his character. I'm, I'm, I'm following after God. I'm walking in a way that is proving that God is who he said he was. Verse number 15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect 
unto thy ways. I believe they're important. I want to walk in them. Verse 27, make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Uh, Verse number 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before thee, or before me, excuse me. Verse number 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. So you see that there are many different ways. We said at the beginning, that ways is used in conjunction with these other words that describe God's word and the way that we're supposed to walk. The last verse I want to look at, and the last, uh, the last idea, relationship to have with God's word, look at verse number 37. It says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in the way. Quicken thou me in the way. And I want to look at this word quicken for just a few moments. We only have a couple of minutes left. That word quicken, there in your handout, you can see that it means to revive or make alive. To revive or make alive. And uh, the word quicken or quickened is used not, uh, 11 other times, excuse me, uh, in Psalm 119. Verse number 25, we're quickened according to thy word. Verse number 40, we're quickened in thy righteousness. Verse number 88, uh, we're quickened after thy loving kindness. Verse number 107, according to thy word. 149, according to thy judgment. 154, according to thy word. 156, according to thy judgments. 159, according to thy loving kindness. Verse number 50, this is in your handout. Uh, The Bible says, this is my comfort in my affliction. Thy word hath quickened me. And then verse number 93, thy precepts hath quickened me. Now, when you read the word quicken or quickened in the New Testament, most of the time that is talking about salvation. And uh, and that's true because we're made alive in Christ through salvation. Uh, Ephesians 2, Colossians 2, 1 Peter 3 all speak of that. Uh, We're dead before Christ, but because of Christ, through salvation, through his blood, we now have life. Romans 6 said we are made alive unto God. Verse number uh, 13 in Romans 6 says, as those that are alive from the dead, Galatians uh, 2.20, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. We're alive in Christ. And so through salvation, we're dead to sin, Because of the old man, because of the sinful nature that we have, but through Christ, we're given a new man, a new nature, and now we are alive, we're given abundant life. But I believe that not just the quickening, the reviving, the making alive that takes place at salvation, I believe that there ought to be a daily quickening that must take place in the life of a Christian. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. There must be a daily quickening being made alive, if you will. And I believe that God's word is a part of that. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Look at verse number 31. Bible says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. And uh, certainly we know the idea of dying to self, considering the old man dead, uh, dying to the fleshly appetites, dying to temptation, dying to our selfish desires. But look at verse number 34, because then there is awakening, uh, a a living again, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God, I speak this to your shame. We're to die to self, but be made alive unto God. And that's a choice that we have to make every single day. That's a decision that we have to make every single day, alive to live for God. And let's be honest, 
you know, the stress, the pressures, the cares of life can certainly weigh heavily on us. Uh, you know, there are some times that you can feel dead uh, because of everything that's going on around you. Those of you that have just finished school, just finished finals, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, the, the idea, though, that we need a regular refreshing, a regular reviving every day that is only truly going to come from God and his word. Uh, you're in Psalm 119. Go back there. Look at Psalm 110 real quick. Look at verse Psalm chapter 110 and verse number seven. I love this verse. He shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore shall he lift up the head. Now, that seems like an interesting verse, but when you study that out, that's just talking about being refreshed, drinking. It, you know, it, it, certainly we don't go around and, and drink out of every stream that's going around, especially here in Theodore, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the idea of that cool, clear, refreshing uh, mountain stream that after you've been walking, after you've been battling, after you've been journeying for a very long time is just absolutely what you need. You know, uh, some of you, Matt races, <laughs> uh, does a lot of running. And, but if you've ever done that before, certainly I can imagine you've been running for a very long time and you get to where you can have some water. You get to where you can get something refreshing and uh, how awesome that is. And sometimes if it's in the middle of the race, that's exactly what you need to just keep on going. And uh, I love how he says he shall drink of the brook in the way. That kind of has that idea that we still have to keep going. We still have to, to keep walking. We still have to keep running, if you will, but we can still drink of the brook. We can still lean down. We can get a cool, uh, clear, refreshing drink of water from the living water, from God's word, and still keep on running. That, that phrase at the end of that verse, therefore shall I lift up the head. The idea of being able to, to have new life. The idea of being able to, to keep on going. Be able to, to not hang your head and being tired and worn out and stressed out, but be able to keep on going with new life and new vigor. Uh, and, and we need to make sure that we do that. Uh, the only way to make it in this life and truly thrive is to get in and stay in this book. What does Psalm 1 say? Uh, uh, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted where? By the rivers of water. There's refreshment. His law is his delight and his meditation and he's like a tree planted by a river of water where there's satisfaction, there's reviving, there's daily life. And so as we think of God's word, we think of it as the way. Something we need to pursue with all of our heart. Something that we need to follow. It's going to help us get to where we need to go. And it's going to give us new life on a daily basis. And so I, 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 I pray that God would, would allow you to develop these relationships with God's word. As we go through these, would you take time in, that, in the week to follow to just say, how can God's word be the way for me this week? How can it give me new life? How can I, next time I'm stressed out, I'm tired, I'm worn out, how can I look for it to be new life for me? And I promise uh, that you will not regret it if you do. 